You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. The Rock Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Now, here's your host, Radical Ross Bellville. Good day, tokers and tokets and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Thursday, December 3rd, 2015, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Cannabis Radio. Glad to have you here on our live broadcast. We are live here every weekday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. For the next two hours, bringing you the best of news, interviews, music, Comedy, opinion, analysis, data, polls, statistics, science, research, logic, reason, compassion, all by, for, and about the cannabis community. I'm Radical Russ Belville. Glad to have you here and uh, encouraging you also to check out the rest of the lineup on CannabisRadio.com. We've got the best shows in marijuana talk that you can find anywhere on the Internet. So coming up on today's show, all sorts of news to get to. Uh, at half past, we're going to do our regular Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment. Every other Thursday, we visit with a speaker from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, the world's leading law enforcement organization advocating for the end of drug prohibition. And uh, this is a clip that we've got from the reform conference that took place in Arlington, Virginia, right by the Pentagon, where leaps... Diane Goldstein, a member of their board of directors, was on a panel on the militarization of police. And also on the panel was Patrice Cullors, uh, one of the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. And it got pretty heated on the panel. So we'll give you a listen to that, a little clip from that in our half past segment, Cops Say Legalize Drugs. You can also pick up uh, highlights and full panels from the Reform Conference up at my SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Radical Russ. At the end of the show, we'll have time for a Radical Rant as usual. We're going to take a look at the Pacific Northwest Cannabis Cafe bans and how stupid, counterproductive, hypocritical, and unjust they are. So stay tuned at the end of the show for that. We've also got on the show today in our drug war data mining a terrible case of statistics manipulation being done by the American thinker to try to scare people into thinking that Colorado's crime rate has skyrocketed since marijuana legalization. We'll show you the shenanigans they're playing with the numbers in drug war data mining. That comes right after Behind the Headlines. And in Behind the Headlines today, there can be only one. There's only one initiative standing in Massachusetts. The Committee to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol, the MPP-backed initiative, is the only one that has submitted enough signatures to possibly qualify for the 2016 election. We'll talk about that and the fallout from that in the state of Massachusetts in Behind the Headlines. That, of course, comes right after the headlines in our Cannabis Radio News. We'll give you the update on that Massachusetts legalization question. We also take a look at the electrical grid in the United States being sucked dry by marijuana consumers. We've got the uh, Pennsylvania medical marijuana proposals finally getting some airtime and being amended, unfortunately, to be even more strict. We've also got a look at Canada, where the Royal Canadian Mounted Police have busted some medical marijuana dispensaries. We'll tell you where. And in Chicago... 
One of those cases that could swing the pendulum the other way, a video that's gone viral and has child endangerment and child protective services on the lips of all the newscasters. We'll show you what happened when we come back. You're listening to the Rest Belleville Show on Cannabis Radio. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement, he went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq war, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Carter Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, December 3rd, 2015. A possible 2016 decision about marijuana legalization in Massachusetts got less complicated this week. Massachusetts voters had faced the prospect of answering two separate pro-legalization ballot questions next November. But only one group believes its question is still standing. The Committee to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol, or CRIMLA, said Tuesday it had submitted enough signatures to the Secretary of State to advance in the long process of getting a proposed law in front of the voters. Meanwhile, the leader of Bay State Repeal, the group behind a competing ballot question, conceded Wednesday night that it had not gathered enough signatures. Krimla, backed by the National Marijuana Policy Project, proposes a tightly regulated system, including a new state commission and an excise tax on pot sales. 
Bay State Repeal, led by longtime local activists, sought what it called the least restrictive laws possible, such as allowing most existing retailers to sell marijuana and dividing light oversight of the industry between several existing state agencies. As more states legalize marijuana in the U.S., pot cultivation is sucking up an ever-growing amount of energy from the grid. Since most of the legal weed is grown indoors, the pot industry burns through large quantities of electricity used to power lamps, ventilation systems, and air conditioning. A square foot of planting requires some 200 watts of electricity, about the same as a data center, according to a report this year found in the Columbia Journal of Environmental Law. The paper notes that marijuana plantations soak up at least 1% of the country's electricity at a cost of $6 billion a year. If all states legalized pot, the amount the industry spends on electricity could go up to $11 billion, high country news notes. That's putting enough pressure on electric utilities that regulators discussed the issue at their annual meeting on November 11th in a session titled The Straight Dope on Energy and the Marijuana Industry. Pennsylvania medical marijuana proposals from State Representative Ron Marcico would limit the amount of THC, the main psychoactive ingredient in medical marijuana, and also reduce the number of producers and dispensers. Marcico's bill calls for dividing the state up into at least three regions and spreading out dispensaries based on population and the number of people with state-issued cards needed to obtain medical marijuana. The long-awaited and historic vote on whether to legalize medical marijuana in Pennsylvania could take place within the next two weeks. Senate Bill 3, which passed 40-7, to 7, has strong support from advocates, including parents of children with severe seizures. Marcico's amendment, which would replace much of Senate Bill 3, is nearly identical to it regarding the illnesses that could be treated with medical marijuana. They include cancer, HIV and AIDS, ALS, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, spinal cord damage resulting in spasticity, epilepsy and seizures, glaucoma, chronic pain, inflammatory bowel disease, and Crohn's disease. But Marcico's amendment would limit the amount of THC, the ingredient that causes a high, to 10% or less per dose. Senate Bill 3 has no such limit. In seeming defiance of the new government's intention to legalize marijuana, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police have followed through on their threat to bust three medical marijuana dispensaries in British Columbia, and at least one is vowing to reopen. Quote, it is unfortunate that the RCMP decided the best way to deal with the coming change in cannabis laws was to detain frontline clerks and attempt to prevent access of medical cannabis patients, end quote, reads a statement from Tree's Dispensary, released Tuesday evening. The Nanaimo Medical Marijuana Store said that the raid on their storefront, quote, flies in the face of public opinion and the stance of our newly elected federal government, end quote. Chicago police are investigating a shocking case of child endangerment captured on video. A toddler appears to be smoking marijuana, and there is an adult encouraging him the whole time. Police were tipped off after the video was discovered on Facebook by community activist Andrew Holmes. It appears to show a young child in a diaper sitting in a chair while smoking a marijuana blunt as an adult off-camera coaches him. The child in the video appears to be clearly dazed by the effects of the marijuana. Detectives from the Special Victims Unit at Area South Headquarters are actively pursuing the people in the video, and if found, the adult may face child endangerment charges. The Department of Children and Family Services will also be notified. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, December 3rd, 2015. I'm Russ Belville. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis business 280E and tax strategy. 
Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out MJWellness.com today. Welcome back, everyone. Time for us to go behind the headlines. And uh, today the headline is on how Massachusetts legalization is down to just marijuana policy projects committee to regulate campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol. Uh, Stephen Epstein from the grassroots Massachusetts legalization group Bay State Repeal announced via Facebook last night that the initiative petition for the 2016 ballot fell short of the required threshold of signatures. Epstein wrote, quote, Thanks and gratitude to my friends who expended effort soliciting and delivering signatures of registered voters, you know who you are, for Bay State repeal. Alas, our proposed law will not be introduced into the legislature as an initiative petition in January 2016, end quote. The same message was posted to Bay State Repeal's webpage under the heading, Too Many Relied on Too Few. The initiative had been endorsed by Harvard Professor Emeritus and pioneering medical marijuana researcher Dr. Lester Grinspoon, the Massachusetts affiliate of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, a.k.a. MASCAN, and the Boston Globe newspaper. That leaves only the Campaign to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol, or CRIMLA, as a legalization option for Massachusetts. Last month, Marijuana Policy Project, or MPP, the organization sponsoring CRIMLA, announced they had submitted more than 100,000 signatures of the 64,750 signatures required to make the ballot. The Globe, in its endorsement of Bay State repeal, derided the MPP-backed CRIMLA as a, quote, flawed proposal, end quote, that creates, quote, another industry ripe for special interest politics, end quote. While both initiatives proposed age limits of 21 years, home grows that must be locked and hidden, landlords that can ban home growing, and a system of taxed pot shops, the Globe dismissed Krimla for its, quote, caps on the number of growers, fees up to $15,000 for licenses to grow, and an arbitrary cap on possession, end quote, by limiting adults to just one ounce of marijuana in public and 10 ounces at home. Epstein now vows to defeat MPP's Krimla if it should make the ballot. Epstein told The Globe that he will, quote, use every skill in my power, end quote, to oppose the marijuana legalization initiative, which he called, quote, a bad law that supports crony capitalism, end quote. But other Massachusetts activists are more pragmatic. Bill Downing, chairman of MassCan Normal, the state affiliate, 
told The Globe that he personally supports Kremla and expects the board of MassCan to endorse the initiative. Massachusetts Kremla would legalize for adults 21 and older the possession of one ounce of marijuana flower, five grams of marijuana concentrate, and cultivation of six cannabis plants per adult, with a limit of 12 per household, plus possession of 10 ounces of marijuana flower at the home. Commercially, marijuana would be produced by growers and sold at pot shops. It would be taxed at 3.75% excise tax, plus state and local sales taxes. Localities could also add up to 2% tax and ban a marijuana establishments through a vote of the people. Kremla also extends protections to cannabis consumers. Child custody and visitation rights cannot be affected solely because a parent uses marijuana. Organ transplants and other medical procedures cannot be denied solely due to cannabis consumption. Massachusetts Kremla is equal to or better than the legalization that currently exists in four U.S. states. It would be foolish to reject this legalization initiative in 2016 on the promise that the group that just failed to gather signatures in a presidential election year will be able to produce something better for the ballot in the future. Don't pass up the chance to vote on marijuana legalization. Now, it's it's a, a bit of a path before we get the chance in Massachusetts. It goes before the legislature first. They can put it on the ballot. If they decide not to put it on the ballot... MPP has to go back and get another some 10,500 or so more signatures to have it put on the ballot. But when marijuana legalization makes the ballot, it is the duty of every cannabis consumer to vote for that legalization. You know our opponents will all be voting against that legalization. And one ounce plus 10 ounces at home and up to a dozen plants in the house is the best legalization in the United States so far. I tell you, folks, it gets a little frustrating having to repeat the same verse over and over again, election after election. Stoners against legalization in Arizona. Stoners against legalization in Massachusetts. Stoners against legalization in California. I'm sure I'll hear from some of them in Maine and Nevada, too. We could go five for five in 2016, people. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com.
arguing for the end of adult marijuana prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It is even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more in this edition of Drug War Data Mining. All right, welcome back, folks. Uh, in the uh, Drug War Data Mines today, we take a look at just how the uh, <laughs> the drug warriors can uh, skew the statistics when it comes to looking at uh, marijuana and its effect. And the blog I want to point out here is one called The American Thinker. And in The American Thinker, they've got a graph here that shows a declining crime rate in Colorado from 2004 to 2012. And then this massively increasing crime rate after 2012, after marijuana was legalized. And um, so that uh, is their evidence to show that marijuana legalization has caused crime to increase. This is their opening paragraph. They say, despite what the big pot lobbyists claim, the evidence is starting to mount that Colorado's experiment with legalized marijuana has led to increased crime in the state. According to the latest 2014 crime in Colorado report by the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, the crime rate, based on arrest statistics, increased 9% from 2013 to 2014. But that is only part of the story. Looking back on the crime rate data from the overall preceding decade, the state's crime rate was declining rapidly from 2004 through 2012. Since 2012, the crime rate has increased more than 21%. What happened? The Colorado legislature passed bills regulating the manufacture, sale, and distribution and use of recreational marijuana. And during these past two years, as Colorado moved toward legalized marijuana, the statewide crime rate reversed a nearly decades-long trend downward and instead exploded upward. Okay, so we're all terrified, right? We've legalized marijuana, and the crime rate's gone up. Oh, my God, the crime rate has gone up. It's it's terrifying how much the crime rate has gone up. Except there's one big problem. I don't know if you caught it as I was reading through what they had to say. But I went and looked it up. Because you know me, I look shit up. And I looked up the crime in Colorado report. And I went over to this thing, this this page, Colorado Statewide Reported Crimes. 2014, and it compares them to 2013. Now, in 2013, there were 172 reported homicides, only 150 in 2014. It actually went down 12.8%, and based on population, went down 15% for homicide. That's odd. Rapes were 2903 in 2013. They were 2961 in 2014, so they did go up. There were uh, 58 more rapes, 2% actual change, a 0.4% change based on population, so negligible, statistically negligible. Robberies went down 5% based on population. Aggravated assaults, though, did go up 2.4%, and other assaults went up 5.3%. But burglary went down 7.9%. Larceny went down 4.2%. Auto theft is down 0.8%, and the total 2014 Colorado statewide reported crimes 
went down 2.5%. So I thought to myself, that's odd because this blog here at the American Thinker says that the crime rate based on arrest statistics increased 9%. Oh, wait a minute. I'm looking at the reported crimes. You know how many crimes actually happened. What they're looking at is a separate page. The 2014 Colorado reported statewide arrests. Statewide arrests. Now, the statewide arrests went up by, look at there, 8.7%. That's enough to round it up to 9%. The arrests went up. Not the uh, reported crimes. The reported crimes statewide, how many crimes actually got reported went down. But cops caught more people. If anything, what this is showing us American thinker is that since we've legalized marijuana, we've freed the cops up to go after more of the violent criminals. They've actually been able to solve more crimes. They've actually been able to go after the bad guys and get them. This is just another example of people that are scouring through every possible report that might happen after marijuana has been legalized in a an attempt to find something anything to hang their hat on as far as being able to prove that marijuana legalization has had this terrible effect and what we are finding in Washington in Colorado and what we'll find in Oregon and Alaska as well is that it has no effect on the crime rates, either rising them or lowering them. People were smoking marijuana, and the real crime that goes away is treating them like criminals. There's no doubt that crime has definitely gone down. So we've got to keep on this, and uh, the blog there is American Thinker. Like I said, Colorado's crime rate was declining until they legalized pot by Sierra Rain. Again, she's talking about the arrests, total arrests, not the total crimes reported. For example, on the total arrests page, on the total arrests page, you'll find 130 homicides, but on the reported homicides, there is 150. Rapes, 521 reported or arrested for, but 2,961 reported robberies 945 arrested for 3,031 reported this is the Russ Belleville show on CannabisRadio.com Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Warning. 
hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Dr. Dagger, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. One of the most disturbing elements of the Prohibition War is how it's made police the enemy of otherwise law-abiding cannabis consumers. Fortunately, one group of police officers knows the futility of Prohibition and reaches out to educate the community and current law enforcement. Today, the Russ Belleville Show visits with another speaker from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition with one clear message. Cops say legalize drugs. Welcome back, everybody. And for today's Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment, we're going to go back to the reform conference that was held at the, uh, what was it, the Crystal Marriott in Arlington, Virginia. This was just a couple of weeks ago, right there in the uh, shadow of the Pentagon, such that it is. It's not much of a shadow. It's not a tall building. But anyway, uh, we were at the Marriott for the International Drug Policy Reform Conference, which happens every two years. Next conference is in Atlanta, Georgia, October 11th through 14th, 2017. Get your tickets while you can. Start planning for that. This panel featured Diane Goldstein from the Board of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition speaking on the militarization of policing. Enjoy. Based on what both of you all have said, and this idea of like this, this didn't happen by accident, we've been watching this happen over time, right? We've been paying into it. You know, when we think about our tax dollars and where they go, right? And these people that we pay to be our employees, because that's how we have to look at um, these political bodies, these folks that we elect and the, and the folks that they appoint, we are their supervisors, but we haven't been acting in that way. So I wanted to just run down um, three pieces of, of federal laws that kind of led the way and led the groundwork for all of what's going on right now in terms of militarization that we weren't paying attention to, that we weren't necessarily responding to the way that we should have, and, and that resulted in what we have today. In 1981, Congress passed the Military Cooperation with Civilian and Law Enforcement Act, which allowed law enforcement and military bodies to collaborate more, to train together, and to share information. That was number one. Number two, in 1990, the National Defense Authorization Act allowed for more equipment sharing between the military and law enforcement for use in counter-drug activities. 1997, another initiative led to the authorization of transfer of surplus military uh, equipment for use in counter-narco activities, counter-terrorism activities, and to enhance officer safety. So this has been creeping for a long time. And in many ways, 
what this is going to sound like I'm coming from the left, but NWA straight out of Compton and then telling us what police militarization looked like and Ferguson showing us what it looked like. So it really goes to like speaking up and speaking out about all of this, about big government, small government, how to push back and make it smaller, because that's what you're talking about. We can push back and make it smaller, and we can handle this. I want to, um, one, thank all of these amazing panelists. Let's give them a hand. stuff is, you know, it can be a task. I want to open it up to questions from you all. If you raise your hand, um, I'll call on you, and then I'll repeat your questions. Go, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Fantastic. All right. So, <laughs> my name is Alex. I'm a public policy student up at Heller School of Red Eyes University, and I just really want to, first of all, thank all of you. Secondly, you can make pretty interpreted. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> again, not an accident, right? That's by design, right? Capitalism is functioning exactly as it has been designed to function. And um, in that context, certain, you know, certain things are seen as valuable, certain people are seen as valuable, and certain people are not. I'll teach youth of color who, um, you know, are, are engaging in, you know, whatever they have to do to survive. That's not seen as valuable, and the police and the drug war has been put in place specifically to control that, specifically to eliminate that, and I think um, you know, capitalism is very central to all of that, right? It's, um, you know, I think that p- policing has very often come to control, you know, come to place of control and to kind of protect um, wealth and protect capital, right? And when we talk about public safety or, you know, in New York City, when we talk about quality of life, I've got to give a shout out to Fierce, another LGBTQ, the color organization in New York City that we work really closely with. Um, they have a campaign on quality of life now called Quality of Life for Who, right? Like, whose quality of life increases when you are policing people for sleeping on the subway, right? Whose quality of life increases when you are policing people for, like, 
picking at like an advertisement on, on the train, right? Like whose quality of life are you increasing when you do all of these things to make actually poor people's life really hard and to, you know, serve as a source of revenue for a municipality when there's all of these people who are incredibly wealthy who are not contributing to the system in the ways that, you know, that, you know, poor folks are in terms of even just like the chunk, like the, the proportionality of the income that goes towards paying fines and, and you know, be, so I think that they're actually quite connected. And I think that, you know, the drug war, as, you know, Amaya really pointed out, has often been as served as a tool for law enforcement to protect, you know, the interests of the law. I'm just going to follow up on that just because I'm a libertarian, so I have to answer a question about capitalism, right? <laughs> um, I would say that, you know, if anything, the drug war and, and the current state of our criminal justice system, it's the ultimate exertion of state power. State power. It's not... Capitalism isn't driving, uh, you know, the drug war. It's the state. It's politicians. It's people who are supposed to represent us. Corporations aren't the ones who are setting policies with regards to uh, drug enforcement. They're not the ones. Well, okay, maybe that's not very popular in this room, but I mean, I, I encourage all of you to examine where these laws are coming from. I mean, who who creates laws? It's lawmakers. Who is giving out military equipment to our police officers? It's the state. So. First, I. I totally disagree. I mean, behind lawmakers, there are huge corporations doing lobbying with a lot I would like to say that in Latin America, this goes back to colonialism, and it's the exploitation of And it's indigenous communities who are still being most affected because they still own the lands where these resources are, and the drug war is helping transnational corporations take them out of their community so they can make a whole lot of money. So the drug war is financed and is backed up by capitalism and by corporations. really go back from it from a, a policing function is that I'm like a little bit more libertarian in my tendencies but what we have to do is we have to strip the laws like what you're saying over there is exactly how we change communities because if you go back to the history of law enforcement you have to understand law enforcement became this autocratic model when we when we became urbanized when we stopped taking care of ourselves cops don't want to answer the door on loud noise call. People are just afraid to knock on their neighbor's door and say, hey, can we talk about it? You know, would you mind being respectful? We have to, ins- we have to strip authority and power. We need, we need politicians to understand that law enforcement is not the regulatory police. We should not be funding law enforcement budgets taking money away from civil asset forfeiture. I, in California, I was part of, uh, of a big push 
on a civil asset forfeiture bill. You know, the cops really pushed back. The criminal justice professional should not be allowed to lobby. It's unethical. Law enforcement at one time in our society was told, this is what I was trained. We don't make the laws. It's not our role to influence lawmakers. It's not our role to get into the legislative policy wonk and and do those things. Our job is to enforce the properly constitutionally mandated laws, and that's a big part of the issue. We are not training police officers in the fashion to support our Constitution. And and we we just, you know, we need to do a combination of different things. You know, we're we're not going to end police departments. You know, we need to change them. We need to change the dynamics. We need to be collaborators and stakeholders with you and say, how do we reduce law enforcement contact in our communities? And then when we go into the policy wonk is, hey, we have too many laws. Question over here. So, you know, it's, it's such a combination. It's a very complex combination, but law enforcement should not be out doing what they're doing. Um, well, I want to just point out something. You said that... Um, we have to stay away from cops. There's no way that us as individuals, we being LGBT of color, um, you cannot stay away from cops. It's hard to stay away from cops, actually. Like, I live on a block where there's like, a precinct just right next to my doorstep. And it's hard for us being trans, gender, you know, going into the field of sex working. No, I'm a former sex worker myself and to, to engage in such acts for survival. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to like not be in that predicament where you don't want to be. And so, you know, the government is not always there. They, they don't see it. They see it as a broader picture of sales. And so you can never ever trust. Sex work is the new war on drugs. Yeah. We shouldn't have sex crimes laws either. Go ahead, Rachel. Yeah. You believe that to ask what you want to ask? I don't need to. No, it's okay. I was going to ask you a question. Go ahead, ask it. No, I was just saying, like, um, talking about, like, um, I understand with, um, with Latino and the whole, the whole community justice system out there in New York, our community justice system is very heinous, especially the cis precinct out there in the village, how they sexually harass the LGBT community and how they, how they, they come and shut us down. They tie us on, on, on benches, on poles, and they take up our bras in front of men which is not actually really cool to do, and it's not on your consent. You know what I'm saying? So how can we, as a community, as a nation, how can we support that and, and, and try to like find ways that even though this drug is our survival, in a way, we do have to take drugs when we sell You know, we do have to take, we do have to have these drugs to sell. Mm-hmm. This, this is our money we're making. This is something that we'll have a little bit of 
some change in our pockets, but at least I know that I'm going to eat at the end of the day. You understand? Why is that becoming a problem if you're an issue to all our Latinas, or you know, our trans folks, our, our black citizens? And it's, and it's crazy. So how can we really change that without changing the responsibility to reduce the contact that cops get to have with anybody, right? I actually don't think it is possible to address the issues that you're raising without fundamentally changing the criminal justice system. Correct. And, you know, frankly, you know, I'm not necessarily <laughs> for small government, secure. I'm not suggesting that there's not a role for the state. I actually think there is a role for, for a state. You know, and I don't necessarily think that it's the craziest dream in the entire world to start taking steps now to shrink the prison industrial complex to elimination. I want cops to be out of business. I think that's a fine thing. No, but do I think all of us can take some steps right now today to move in that direction? Absolutely. A world without police. That was uh, one of the quotes that also came from that panel. Imagining a world without police, which it's kind of difficult for me to imagine. And if you stay tuned in hour two, I'll play the closing of that panel where I asked the question, what would that world without police look like? I, I think I've seen it. It's a, it's a movie called The Purge. Listen to the Russ Belville Show. We'll be back. The Radical Rant is next. We're taking a look at Pacific Northwest Cannabis Cafe Bands. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. No Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs. Lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs. We've got Frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear. Herb Age Designs. We've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at HerbAgeDesigns.com. And follow Herb Age and Herb Thrasher on Twitter. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com. 
helping Gondrepreneurs grow. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Imagine you lived in a state where you couldn't drink a beer with your buddies out on the town. No beer drinking with you and your friends. Now, it's not that beer is illegal. You can go to a store and buy beer. Just one six-pack of beer, but you can still do it. You can go buy some beer. But you can't drink beer in the store, of course. In fact, you, you can't drink beer out in public at all. You can't order beer in a restaurant because none of the restaurants will serve beer. You can't even get beer at a bar because no bars exist. Now, you can buy your one six-pack of beer at the store, and then you can take it home. And with the curtains drawn so the public cannot see you, you can drink your beer. But visitors from out of town cannot take their beer from the store to their hotel room because hotels ban beer drinking. You cannot even bring your beer to a private Membership-only club serviced by volunteers because that's somehow defined as drinking in public and beer may only be consumed in private. Man, you'd think you'd woken up in Utah. (laughs) But even the Beehive State's notoriously strict alcohol laws aren't that draconian. Even before they were improved and people had to actually join private clubs to go to a bar and drink beer. That, however, is the exact scenario facing legal cannabis consumers in the Pacific Northwest. Just switch marijuana for beer. The six-pack is the quarter ounce in Oregon. Now, in 2016, that will eventually increase to a case of beer. We'll be able to buy a full ounce in Oregon, and that's what's currently allowed in Washington as well. Of course, nobody in either of those states is limiting, limited to buying just a case of beer, You can buy kegs, multiple kegs of beer if you like, but with marijuana, we have to have a limit on how much you can buy. I reported yesterday how the Oregon Health Authority has informed the world-famous Cannabis Cafe here in Portland and other private volunteer-run bring-your-own-cannabis clubs that recent amendments to the Oregon Clean Air Act forbid the indoor smoking or vaporization of cannabinoids. The daily fines for violations can be up to $500 per day. However, within those same clean air regulations are exceptions for smoke shops that allow for the sampling of tobacco products by smoking or vaporization and cigar bars with capacity of up to 40 people that allow for the smoking of cigars. The regulations require adequate ventilation of those premises. But smoking 
of tobacco will be allowed in the same regulations that ban the vaporization of cannabinoids. And this follows Washington State. Their legislature instituted a Class C felony for, quote, any club, association, or other business, for profit or otherwise, that conducts or maintains a premises for the primary or incidental purpose of providing a location where members or other persons may keep or consume marijuana on the premises. <laughs> so, the foundation of these Clean Air Acts in all these various states has always been the notion that we need to protect the public from the known harms of secondhand marijuana smoke, or secondhand uh, tobacco smoke, excuse me. And that is been demonstrated by numerous scientific studies. We know secondhand tobacco smoke is harmful. But now, Oregon's act has been amended to presume that not just secondhand marijuana smoke, but also secondhand cannabinoid vapors can, quote, cause cancer and other chronic diseases such as heart disease, asthma, and bronchitis, end quote. Well, folks, there's just no science to back up those assertions. Oregon's clean air amendments and Washington's marijuana club felony are simply ways to enforce bigotry against cannabis consumers. That's it. it. has nothing to do with keeping us safe. And they're counterproductive as well. In Denver, Colorado, which also bans marijuana clubs, citations for public consumption rose 471%. In Seattle, Washington... The city attorney, Pete Holmes, says that he believes public consumption tickets have risen in his city as well. Wow, what a surprise. When adults have no legal place to exercise their rights to marijuana smoking and free assembly, they do both anyway. It is rank hypocrisy to ban cannabis vaporization in cannabis clubs on clean air grounds while allowing tobacco smoking in a smoke shop. It's rank bigotry to ban public houses where marijuana consumers can gather while allowing public houses serving alcohol that's proven to be far more harmful to society. A state that can handle bars and taverns without mandatory breathalyzer valet parking can handle a bring-your-own-buds cannabis cafe. It's also behind the times and not very smart economically for Washington State and Oregon to be moving forward with these bans on public marijuana consumption. Alaska just voted to allow on-site consumption in their cannabis stores. The 2016 legalization initiatives in Maine, Massachusetts, and California all allow for some sort of on-site public consumption. Soon, tourists that are looking for that vacation on a rugged coast where pot is legal will be able to choose Maine, where pot lounges are legal, over Washington, where they are not. Visitors interested in smoking herb with some clam chowder from the Oregon coast might decide to get chowder in Boston instead, where the pot lounges are legal. 
And with California on the cusp of having legalization that allows for legal cannabis consumption by members of the public in a public house sort of situation, all of the West Coast tourist dollars for cannabis consumers are going to flow to California even more than they already would. Washington and Oregon have an amazing opportunity to be the pot-smoking region of the United States, to be the cannabis consumer destination. The Oregon coast alone offers enough tourism opportunities. Add to that the the skiing in central Oregon, the, the woods and the hunting and the fishing and all the outdoor opportunities, the, the uh, sailboarding out there on the Columbia Gorge. We are just cutting our own throats economically here in the Pacific Northwest if we don't find a way to allow the tourists who come to our state a way to enjoy something that's special about our state. The ability to consume cannabis without any repercussions. That's all the time we got here for Hour 1, but uh, stay tuned on CannabisRadio.com for Hour 2. Toker Talk Radio is coming up next. We'll talk a little bit more about that video in Chicago of the little kid puffing a blunt. Also, George Zimmerman news. Oh, my God. No, he's not dead. That's the only story I want to report, but uh, he's at it again. And updates on the San Bernardino shooting. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tow. I inhale. Uh, frequently. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Ganta Graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, 
and the worst nightmare of a reefer-mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical, Russ Belleville. Ah, thank you, Dan Michaels. Welcome back, everyone. It's Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. The phone lines are open. 971-533-7111. You can call in and be the voice of the marijuana nation. We're interested in what you got to say, what you think about what's happening. Big news out of Massachusetts. Bay State repeal did not make the ballot, will not make the ballot, did not collect enough signatures. And, you know, it's like, dang it. <laughs> I, I have friends that were working with Bay State Repeal. And, uh, folk, you know, I wore the Boston Strong, Wicked Strong shirt today. I got friends in Boston, friends in Massachusetts that work on the Bay State Repeal. And as legalization initiatives go, it's one of the better ones out there. Oh, it would have been fantastic if you got this thing on the ballot and passed it. One of these type of initiatives that says, you know, personal possessions, personal possession. We're not going to put a number on it. If you just possess it for yourself, it's personal. You're not selling it. It's personal. You could have a pound in your house. We don't care. It's personal. You could be growing 40 plants. As long as you're not selling them, it's personal. One of those kind of things, right? And, you know, far less oversight and regulation and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's the kind of thing that those of us who are deep in the marijuana movement and understand cannabis and its history and its real relative harms and so forth something we can get behind is it something the majority of voters can get behind well we don't get to find out because bay state repeal did not make the ballot and this is this is kind of a paradigm of what's going on in a lot of other states that are legalizing where you have the grassroots group of dedicated reformers who write a much more liberal initiative and then you've got Marijuana Policy Project with their campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol or CRIMLA with a much more conservative and, dare I say, industry-friendly, <laughs> industry-controlled sort of legalization. Now, the question is moot now in Massachusetts as MPP's CRIMLA is the only one that's turned in enough signatures. There's still a few more steps that have to go on in Massachusetts. It has to go to the legislature. The legislature can decide to put it on the ballot. We'll see. And if they don't, then uh, MPP's got to go get another like 10,500 some odd signatures. And that forces it on the ballot. Maine is also where one of these situations is happening, but it worked out the opposite way. Legalized Maine, led by Paul McCarrier up there in the state of Maine, actually kicked ass and was able to get a lot of signatures. So much so that the Maine Kremla, the MPP group in Maine, folded their campaign and got behind the legalized Maine campaign, which is very similar, but a little more liberal than what the MPP plan was. But both of their plans were pretty damn liberal because we're talking about Maine. I mean, they're both were going to legalize two and a half ounces of weed, I believe. So, um good stuff going on in Maine and, and allow uh, for pot lounges explicitly allow for pot lounges uh, as does the uh, Massachusetts Kremla. So in Massachusetts and Maine, it looks like the die is cast. It looks like if there's going to be legalization on the ballot in 2016, it's going to be legalized Maine. It's going to be Massachusetts Kremla. I will be analyzing these things over the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to put together the complete guide 
to all the legalizations that are on the ballot or likely to make the ballot. So you can kind of go through them on your own and see what the differences are. We got a similar situation that happened uh, that tried to happen in Nevada, but never got off the ground. Nevada's Krimla is already on the ballot and there's no other group. So Nevada, Massachusetts, Maine, all MP, well, Nevada, Massachusetts are MPP Krimlas. Maine is the legalized Maine. In Arizona, similar situation. You've got Arizona's Krimla, MPP backed, versus Arizonans for mindful regulation. And in Arizona, we've got a guy named Jason Medar, who's a former dispensary owner from California, who uh, was in the no on Prop 19 camp back in the day and uh, fought against Prop 19, the first wave of stoners against legalization. He swears he'll fight against MPP's Krimla if his Arizonans for mindful regulation thing doesn't make the ballot, which, like Bay State repeal, probably won't make the ballot because, again, it's all volunteer grassroots stuff and you just cannot get the signatures you need that way, unless, obviously, unless it's Maine. I mean, but Maine's a small state. Don't got to get a lot of signatures in Maine. So not only does Arizona have a stoners against legalization that's happening, Jason Medar, but also, and sad to say it, in Massachusetts, Stephen Epstein, who got all the respect in the world for, but he has told the Boston Globe he'll put every effort of every fiber of his body, every effort he can make to defeat the MPP Kremla if it makes the ballot. So, yeah, sad to report the stoners against legalization theme it's going to happen again. It's going to happen in Arizona. It's going to happen in Massachusetts. And there's a definitely, definitely a wave of stoners against legalization that is going to resurface in the state of California. You know my theory. If it ain't worse than I-502, it's worth voting for. I-502 is our baseline now, people. <laughs> if it's not worse than I-502, it's worth voting for. Keep the ball moving forward. We could go five for five in 2016. And when we get California, it's all over. We just have to sign the paperwork on the rest of the states. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Take your calls at 971-533-7111. We got George Zimmerman news coming up next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq war, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! 
Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to ensure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Welcome back, everyone. 12 after the hour here on CannabisRadio.com. Listening to Hour 2 of the Russ Belleville Show. We call this Toker Talk Radio because we got a live phone line. It's 971-533-7111. And uh, the topics are open. We'll talk about marijuana or we'll talk about anything you want to talk about. We're pretty uh, free and easy on this kind of thing. I do have some non-marijuana news for you. George Zimmerman uh, is an even bigger douchebag than you thought he was. Of course, we all remember George Zimmerman from the Trayvon Martin murder in 2012. He shot to death Trayvon Martin, the African-American young man in a hoodie who had some Skittles in his hand. Well, on Thursday afternoon, just today, George Zimmerman tweeted nude photos of a woman he claimed cheated on him with, quote, a dirty Muslim. That's right. Twitter has suspended his account. He sent off two tweets, both with pictures, topless pictures of this woman who, from the angle, would appear to be on top of him at the time, saying, this is blank. She cheated on me with a dirty Muslim phone number, puts her phone number in the tweet. She'll sleep with anyone. And then followed that up with, did I go too far? I won't even mention that she stole a gun and cash from me. Her line's busy. And then blurred out her address. Well, for George Zimmerman, um, this is likely a violation of Florida's new sexual cyber harassment law. It was signed earlier this year. It's one of 17 states that has regulations, legislation against the posting of nude images without the consent of the subject in a nationwide effort to curb revenge porn. So it's a misdemeanor to transmit nude images that include a subject's identifying information without their consent, punishable by up to a year in prison. Hmm. So uh, it's a sex crime, and uh, Zimmerman uh, will likely be charged with this if they can prove it. He's also been arrested. Uh, he's arrested in January for alleged domestic violence. He's been involved in several violent incidences since his acquittal of killing Trayvon Martin. So uh, there we go. His account has been suspended. And, um, you know, is this going to be one of those situations where, you know, like OJ got away with the murder, but then they busted him for the the robbery thing he did (laughs) in the hotel, right? Do we just have to wait for George Zimmerman to screw up in some other way so that we can put him behind bars? Thank God. All right. Well, 
Another story I wanted to talk a little bit about, going back to the marijuana subject. We reported uh, earlier uh, this week about how Dan Riffle from Marijuana Policy Project has uh, left the organization. He's uh, quit, and part of what he quit over was citing how much the industry, both medical and now recreational, is taking over the advocacy and in their fight to pass new laws and new initiatives are writing them in such a way that benefits the industry and maybe doesn't benefit public health as well. Well, this has led to a conversation online that I've just uh, happened upon in my Twitter feed between uh, Dan Riffle and Mark Kleiman. Now, Mark Kleiman is the former pot czar for Washington State. Right, He was the one brought in to consult and to, to advise on how to set up Washington State's marijuana legalization. So keep in mind here, we're talking about the architect of the worst legalization of the four states that have it. <laughs> right? The guy whose suggestions led to such glut in supply and such a dearth of outlets that at one point marijuana was selling at about 700, 700 bucks an ounce in Washington state. Now it's not there anymore. It's all worked out now, but keep in mind, this is, this is the guy we're talking about. This is a guy who Mark Kleiman is, uh, you know, I, I can't say that he's anti pot and he's definitely not pro prohibition. He's not for prohibition. Absolutely not. But he's one of these guys that thinks marijuana use in and of itself is a bad thing and that we should do everything we can to curtail the use of it. So this conversation uh, happened up uh, upon Twitter here where Mark Kleiman was basically asking uh, Dan Riffle, now that he's out of Marijuana Policy Project, he can comment more honestly on what the industry is all about. Dan had responded with something like, look, I'm, I'm just glad that me and Mark Kleiman both agree that even a commercialized industry is better than prohibition. But Kleiman has a couple of points that he makes. And he says, cannabis generates many dependent users, about 4 million currently time to stop saying non-addictive. And also says low drug prices, increase dependency. Marketing makes it worse. Let's not commercialize. And the problem I have with that point of view of Mark Kleiman's is it subscribes to this idea that we need to keep marijuana priced artificially high in order to discourage use. And as a cannabis consumer, I don't want artificial impediments to the price of my marijuana. Now, you want to call me an addict, a dependent user? Maybe, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I don't think so because I'm functional and I manage to uh, uh, make a living and not harm others. So why are we artificially keeping a high price on my marijuana? All you will do with that is encourage more black market marijuana. Now, do some people get dependent? Of course. Some people have problems with all sorts of things. But I don't believe it's our job to make it more difficult for people to be harmed by these things. To, to nerf everything. To nerf the whole world so that nobody ever gets hurt. The extent to which we protect others should be tempered by the extent to which we infringe on the rights of the majority. The minority gets dependent on cannabis and the smaller minority of any other substance 
So how much we protect them from what is the least harmful sort of addiction out there when it comes to substances should be a very strict line between how much it starts to infringe on those of us in the majority who just want to be able to enjoy a substance and not break the bank having to enjoy it. And as far as commercialization, we can discuss the commercialization angle. I'm not so sure I want the same level of commercialization for pot as I want for beer and pharmaceuticals either. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. And how much does marijuana really need to be marketed and advertised anyway? Right? I need to know what kind of marijuana I'm buying. But, like, I don't need an ad campaign to tell me I should buy Marley Natural or Willie's Reserve. Either one of those, I'm going to buy them based on the price, what's the THC, and how nice is the product. Happy 420. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Get the latest updates on The Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking The Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. Everyone knows music and marijuana go together. So let's wind up our 20 after break with the Russ Belleville Show's Daily Toker Tunes, the best in pod save 420 music from around the web. Today is Groovin' Thursday, featuring rap, hip-hop, soul, and funk music. Now, sit back and enjoy your Daily Toker Tunes. Welcome back, everybody. And all this week I have failed to mention, and I, and I should have been mentioning this, that uh, this is the last week that we will have Daily Toker Tunes in the second hour of the Russ Belleville show. Yes I, yes, I know. It's terrible. Yes, I know. I I should have been mentioning this earlier. But yeah, uh, as the show is moving to CannabisRadio.com, I have to take all the copyrighted music out of it. Uh, so that's why you're being hearing d- different uh, bumper music and different ad music and, and all sorts of different things going on here because I've got to decopyrightify the Russ Belleville show. And that means I can't do the daily toker tunes because we're using copyrighted music, but never fear 420 radio will continue and will continue to get great music for all of you to listen to Uh, 420 radio app already exists as well. And uh, joining us here with some daily toker tunes, we've got uh, Chuck diesel on the line. How you doing, Chuck? Oh, I'm doing great, Russ. It's been a it's been a fun ride providing all this music for you. Yeah, man. And uh, I, I hope, you know, cannabis radio or, 
420 Radio is going to continue, and we hope to have more and more music shows. So we'll see if we can't put something together for uh, hip hop. That would be uh, that'd be a good show to have, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say you dropped a whole bunch of tunes into the uh, folder here, so I'm not sure which one we're going with today. Oh, today we're going to go with Faded, and I figured since it's the last hurrah, I'd roll in three artists into one. We've got Burner, Be Real, and Snoop. Oh, that's perfect. All right. So uh, that's uh, that's what we'll get here in just a second. But uh, again, I want to thank you so much, Chuck, for uh, calling in all of these shows and uh, getting us tunes uploaded. You've really helped us build the library here. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, I always felt like my my arguments and my I guess you could say my evangelizing and activism on the issue was completely built around talking points that I picked up from this show so I was really happy that I could could get involved and if you don't mind can I throw out uh, some social media links if of people want to keep track of me of course man go ahead yeah um, you can find me on pure joy gardens on Instagram you can follow along we've got a small medical garden and uh, all of our shenanigans will be there Pure Joy Gardens on Instagram. I'll make sure I follow you on the Radical Russ account as well. Awesome. All right. Thank you for everything you've done, and maybe we'll get you on 420 Radio in the future. Awesome. Yeah, we look forward to hearing the the future on Cannabis Network Radio. I've actually enjoyed some of the other podcasts on there, too. I've been liking Burning Issues a lot. Yeah, Dr. Mitch has got a great uh, podcast out there on Cannabis Radio, so check them out, CannabisRadio.com. Uh, the source and uh, we're getting the RSS feeds and all that stuff worked out. Uh, I tweeted out earlier today, the RSS feed that you can get through Spreaker.com and you can use that for now. It's also iTunes compatible. All right, let's get to the tune. And again, uh, Chuck Diesel, thanks for joining us here. Appreciate all the work you've put in over these uh, past couple of years. Get dot buzz dot buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. .buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. .buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. .buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com.
get down, get back up again. That's funky, funky, funky. It reminds me that uh, Big Daddy Fink's Funky Roller Rake is on later tonight. 8 p.m. Pacific time. Get the latest funk delivered straight to your ear holes on Big Daddy Fink's Funky Roller Rake. It'll be a good time. Season 4, episode 27. Smooth heart and soul music. Sweet love coming at you next. All right, so um, this uh, video that came out, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Pretty um, pretty rough for our side, you know. We get these, uh, we're, we're trying our best to try to legalize marijuana in this country. You end up with these idiots, get on YouTube, get on Facebook, and just make our job harder. Talking, of course, about this video out of Chicago that I had uh, mentioned earlier today in the news. Seeming to show a toddler smoking weed. Smoking a big old blunt, as a matter of fact. So I want to go to uh, some audio here from Chicago's uh, news station, Fox 32. Let's switch over to that channel and uh, give a listen to how this sounds in the local news. It shows what appears to be a toddler smoking pot. Now police are involved. Fox 32's Anita Padilla is live at police headquarters. Okay, Anita, what can you tell us about this video? Well, I can tell you that fortunately there are people out there who saw this and thought it is not right. we got to find out who this kid is. They didn't want to be identified, though. They turned it over to a community activist. He turned it over to police, and now they're looking for the victim and the person behind this. See what I mean? Very, very disturbing video posted on Facebook, now turned over to the Chicago Police Department. Uh, we blurred out the toddler's face, but you can see he's sitting, he's in a diaper. What you can't see is the expression on his face. It is clear he is um, affected by the narcotics. It appears that he's smoking a marijuana blunt. Now Area South Investigators Special Victims Unit are working to find out the identity of the man and help that child. Well, it's their stupidity, but at the same time, I want to rush to find out who these individuals are, get them some help because they need to be incarcerated and counseling, but I want to mainly make sure we get an emergency response to find out who this child is. And Chicago police do say that if they catch the person who is doing this, and by the way, they think they have a pretty good idea who's behind this, they will charge him with child endangerment, likely, and then they'll get DCFS, the Department of Children and Family Services, involved to help that little boy. Reporting live right now from Area South Headquarters, Anita Padilla, Fox 32 News, back to you. Yeah, so a sad story there, and that cannot do us any favors in our uh, attempt to get marijuana legalized throughout this country. Those of you who are students of history might recall Brother Love. Anybody remember Brother Love? Way back in the 70s, as 11 states were decriminalizing marijuana and the polls were rising quickly 
for marijuana legalization. There was a 60 Minutes piece that featured Brother Love, who was in this uh, kind of Rasta-colored, uh, you know, church robe outfit. Guy was huge. He was like 6'6". Six, six. And he preached this gospel, and I don't remember if it was Coptic Christian or Rastafarian or what it was, but basically, you know, one of the, the ganja is sacrament type religions. And the 60 Minutes piece showed how they believed that sacrament extended all the way down to children and featured video of these little seven and eight year old kids with these big old cones puffing tough on national television. And it was one of the images that incited a moral panic that led to a pendulum swing against marijuana legalization, a cultural backlash to that libertine, what the, a lot of people considered abuse of children. And I always, I've been the one who's been sounding this since 2008, saying, folks, don't get too carried away now. Don't get too resting on our laurels here. Don't get too complacent and take for granted that legalization is inevitable. You cannot believe the power of a moral panic and how it could roll back a lot of the gains that we make. Now, for what it's worth, I'm more afraid for the little kid because it was a blunt and it's got tobacco in it. If anything is causing the kid to feel a little woozy or sick, it's the tobacco in the blunt. Hell, I don't like blunts for that reason. I don't smoke blunts for that reason. I don't like the tobacco in them. I don't know what we do to stop this other than to, you know, if you've got friends, if you know people that do these kind of stupid things, tell them to keep off social media. Don't post that kind of stuff to Facebook. Don't do it in the first place would be nice. Shouldn't be giving your kid weed in the first place. But um, for God's sake, at least don't put it on the Internet and make the world so much more difficult for the rest of us to have to legalize it. Also, um, we've got some news on a trial or a hearing for Adam Eidinger. He's one of the activists in Washington, D.C., who's fought so long for legalization. And uh, there's a hung jury on a trial where he was carried out of a hearing at the Rayburn Office Building, the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee was meeting to overturn a Washington, D.C. law that bans employers from discriminating based on reproductive health decisions. Adam Eidinger was part of this group and was not participating in the protest, but refused to leave and was removed by three officers and charged with unlawful entry. His trial in the D.C. Superior Court last week ended with a hung jury. And uh, so... He was arrested here for uh, being a part of protests that he wasn't a, even a part of. <laughs> but I'm sure they know who he was from all of his work with the marijuana. So funny how that kind of works out. And uh, also uh, just a quick note about the story we talked about earlier today on the news in uh Pennsylvania. 
you know, they're uh, trying to get medical marijuana passed in Pennsylvania. They got this Senate Bill 3. And as far as recent medical marijuana bills goes, it's not so bad. It's got a decent uh, condition list, cancer, HIV, AIDS, ALS, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, uh, spasticity, epilepsy, seizures, glaucoma, chronic pain, inflammatory bowel disease, and Crohn's disease. Having chronic pain in there is kind of a surprise. A lot of these recent ones don't go there or they make it much stricter. But now this uh, senator, or I'm sorry, state representative, Marcico, is trying to limit how much THC would be in a dose of marijuana, a dose of medical marijuana. And he wants to limit THC to 10%. And it's just... It's funny to me, in a tragic sense, how these lawmakers come at legalizing marijuana. Because somewhere in there, they've got a reason in their head for doing what they've got, what they're doing, right? So you got to wonder, what is it that's making you want to limit THC to ten percent? Well, if it's more than that, then what? People will get too high. People will become addicted. They'll have terrible uh, side effects and, and adverse reactions. It's like these lawmakers come in trying to solve problems that don't exist. And especially when we're talking about a medical marijuana law. Right? <laughs> well, we've got this medicine that can really help you, but we need to limit it to a smaller dosage. Now there's reasons you do that with other medications. You might limit oxycodone to a 10 milligram or a 20 milligram or whatever their limit is on that pill. Because if you got a hold of one of those pills and it had too much active ingredient in it and you didn't have a tolerance for it, it would kill you. There is no such reasoning behind limiting THC in medical marijuana. If you end up eating a marijuana cookie that has 10 milligrams of THC in it, or you eat a cookie that has 100 milligrams of THC in it, neither one of them will kill you. Neither one of them are going to lead to greater addiction risks. Neither one of them are going to lead to the kind of adverse side effects that you'd get from an overdose of opiates. Now, that 100 milligram cookie for someone without a tolerance indeed might lead to some adverse effects. Vertigo, vomiting, intense urge to nap, uh, paranoid reactions, anxiety, the kind of things that can happen. And I'm not one who says that THC is harmless and all use is medical. That You can overdo it. I've overdone it. So yes, you can have an adverse reaction. But the rationale for wanting to limit the THC quantity to 10%. All you do with this is force the patient who has the tolerance, who has the much greater need to have to consume more. And if what they're consuming is smoked, then you're causing them to have to ingest more smoke. If what they're consuming is edible, you're causing them to have to ingest more calories. There's no reasonable conclusion I can draw 
other than this guy just thinks of THC as some sort of poison. And we got to be careful that people don't get too much of it. All sorts of these limits that get set within these laws. You know, the idea of not having a public pot lounge like we've got going on here in the Pacific Northwest. Why? We've had some of these public pot lounges for a while. You know, the the world-famous Cannabis Cafe has been here for a while, and it operated with winks and nods and nudges and medical marijuana loopholes, but it's existed for a long time. Have there ever been any police calls to these cannabis cafes in any of these states that can even compare in their entire existence to one week's worth of police calls to a single bar? They're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Why are we instituting bans on cannabis clubs and indoor pot consumption among groups? It can't be because of any harm they've demonstrated. It can't be because they're more harmful than bars that don't have mandatory breathalyzer valet parking. It can only be the enforcement of bigotry. It can only be maintaining a second-class citizenship a disdain, an official mark of disapproval against those of us who choose one legal substance over the other. And you can't even make the argument that it's illegal anymore. You're just discriminating against one legal substance over the other, and there's nothing to call that but bigotry and injustice. And it's time that we start making some noise about this, that perhaps we start having some smoke-ins about this. Can you imagine a whole crowd of stoners all smoking pot with big signs that say, if I had a pot lounge, I'd be in it right now. Let's set a few of them in the middle of the uh, holiday shopping at the Pioneer Courthouse Square. Let's see how, uh, how, that, uh, how that plays on the local media. going to take a break. We'll be right back. Final segment right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. This is Radical Russ encouraging you to take a look at the Weed Blog every day. Johnny Green and the staff at the Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get the Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing the Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on the Weed Blog, including my original writing. So don't delay. Read the Weed Blog today. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org. 
an educational nonprofit supported by our donors, and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Welcome back, everyone. 49 after the hour, our final final segment, kind of the lightning round here on the Russ Belville Show. We uh, wind up with some of the other stories that have been percolating throughout the last half of the afternoon out here on the West Coast and back in the East Coast as it becomes evening time. So we're going to head out to the East Coast, Connecticut, uh, Connecticut Post with a story. The Connecticut cops told to prepare for legal recreational marijuana. And as a police chief uh, from Avon, Colorado, telling uh, folks gathered at the uh, at a Connecticut, what was this, uh, Webster Arena, that's where it was, at Webster Arena, they had a traffic safety sub, uh, summit, told the gathered law enforcement officers of Connecticut that it's mind-boggling, it's crazy how fast medical marijuana, or how fast med- marijuana has spread throughout Colorado, and makes the point that many people make foolishly and fallaciously. And I'll just read the uh, line for you. Full legalization was voted as a Colorado constitutional amendment in 2013. And now there are 505 medical dispensaries and 322 retail stores selling recreational cannabis, outnumbering the 405 Starbucks stores and 227 McDonald's, according to the police chief. I get so tired of that apples and oranges comparison. So what you're telling me is there's 827 locations where a person can buy cannabis compared to 632 locations that sell one specific brand of coffee and one specific brand of hamburgers. So tell me, how many places can I buy a cup of coffee in Colorado? And how many places can I buy a hamburger in Colorado? And how does that compare to retail cannabis outlets? <laughs> we have to they keep comparing every location that sells one particular commodity to only one particular branded location to buy a very generic commodity. It's it's just typical of the kind of skewed statistical viewpoint you get out of the media, out of the opponents of marijuana uh, legalization. Apples to oranges comparisons. The old more dispensaries than Starbucks line. 
But the good news, the silver lining out of this story is that the uh, Colorado cop is telling the Connecticut cop, look, you uh, basically have to face it. Legalized marijuana is coming to your state. Bridgeport, Connecticut Police Chief Joseph Godet says he has a feeling the state is headed toward full recreational use of marijuana for adults. Good news coming out of Connecticut. Then we have a story out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Man hurt and dog killed in a marijuana grow explosion. One man was seriously hurt and his dog was killed in a propane explosion inside a medical marijuana grow operation. Yeah. Uh, Now, was this propane used for heating or propane used for propane hash oil? Yeah, that's... uh, Probably what's going on here, uh, looking through the story, it doesn't say anything about, uh, oh, it says heater malfunction. Could be just a heater malfunction. Um, but uh, who knows? Maybe heater explosion is the cover being used here for making propane hash oil. We'll keep you posted on this if we get more information. And then from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, of course, uh, the state of Georgia has this low THC oil registration. It's it. They got that one of those CBD only laws, although theirs is not so bad as far as, you know, the THC in the CBD oil can be as high as 5%. That's that's as high as any of these states allow. There still has to be more CBD in it. So if you got 5% THC, it's got to be at least 5% CBD or greater, but they got this registration system. They got 300 people. Uh, 300 families that are registered for this high CBD oil uh, that is for their kid, usually, you know, epileptic kids, right? But Governor Nathan Deal, on his way back now from a fact-finding tour to Colorado, says he's not interested in expanding the program. And that includes not adding any licensed cultivation of cannabis in the state of Georgia to produce this high CBD, low THC cannabis oil that 300 people are registered to use. According to Deal, quote, commercially, I am told that's not big enough demand base to be able to sustain a growing operation, end quote. (laughs) Well, what a self-fulfilling prophecy that is. Let us craft uh, craft a medical marijuana law that's so incredibly restrictive that the, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I think George's is one of these where the kid who's got epilepsy has to have tried like all these other medications and tried all these other surgeries first. And then they can get on the CBD oil if they can get a doctor or two to approve it. So, yeah, let's make the hurdle so high and the hoops so flaming that only 300 families can get through them. And then let's blame there being only 300 families. Well, that's not enough uh, demand for us to have a, a production facility here. But it is enough for 300 families to have to risk being interstate drug traffickers by making their way to Colorado and bringing back some cannabis oil or going to Michigan and bringing back some cannabis oil or whatever medical state they go to or legal state they go to, where they can find this CBD oil. And then they got to find a way to sneak it through the airport. Hope to God they don't get caught. Or worse, have to drive cross country, drive across states where it's not legal. Although I got to tell you, there is good news in that um, 
with Oklahoma passing a uh, CBD-only law, it is now possible to drive from Colorado to Georgia and be in a CBD-only state the whole, entire time. Now, they don't recognize your card, so they can still bust you, but it's something. It's just crazy, the CBD laws, and, and, and shows you how terrifying the prohibition on marijuana has been and how much how entrenched it is in some people's thinking of how evil and dangerous marijuana must be that this guy can't even countenance the idea of growing charlotte's web in the state to produce non-psychoactive oil for children who are risking death how insane is that you can't even get your mind around that, around helping kids and forcing their parents to have to, well, a lot of them just move. The ones that can, the ones with resources, the ones that can get job transfers, they just move. I got to say, if I had a kid with epilepsy and the only hope was cannabis oil to keep that kid alive, I'd go homeless and me and the kid would live in a car in order to treat that kid with cannabis oil in Colorado. I can't imagine the grief that some of these families have to go through to leave their friends and family and jobs behind in Georgia or North Carolina or any of these states to have to make their way someplace where they can actually make use, actually access the cannabis oil. And how frustrating for the families and the loved ones of people that could use other forms of cannabis, knowing they're medically effective, but are prisoners of geography, prisoners of zip code, still subject to handcuffs and cages and fines for just trying to relieve pain or end spasticity or gain an appetite. And and how much do these CBD-only laws, do they... Are they a baby step toward getting medical marijuana for those people? Or are they a stopgap measure, a shield, a fig leaf for the politicians to help them avoid moving forward on medical marijuana? Well, some folks have the attitude that the CBD-only laws are better than nothing. It's, it's good to see the South admit any benefit from marijuana. I guess that's the... Uh, glass half full way to look at it hey folks that sound means it's time for us to wrap things up we are done with the show thanks for joining us live on cannabisradio.com and listening to our replays we really appreciate it we'll be back tomorrow with more news and interviews you can use for the cannabis community we got two interviews coming up tomorrow we got doug ross the filmmaker behind a normal life talking about getting a dispensary license in maryland We'll follow that up with Joshua Sheets, the author of Homegrown Marijuana. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Rolla J Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it.
Here it goes now. 